0: Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hello everyone, this is GTF Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia. Excuse the setup and the audio differences that we normally have. I'm trying to fix an echo problem, so I'm using my B computer today. I want to also let you know that uh, our schedule for this week is returned back to its normal schedule of uh, of delivering to you about 20 hours of Chicago Bears coverage. It started yesterday early in the morning with Mike North's early Bears special, continued with the Barfly Tailgate show, our fantasy football show, and then Bear football with John Buffon, Tyler Ellis, and Danny Shaman. And I filled in for John yesterday. That's all going to continue this week uh, along with our additional weekday programs that uh, many of them took a a week off so let's uh get to the show at hand his name is greg gabriel he is the guy you are here to see greg how are you my friend i'm wonderful how about you well you know i gotta tell you i um all of these defeats that the chicago bears have been experiencing um i've handled Thanks to your coaching, <laughs> you've talked me off the ledge a number of times. But yesterday's defeat was particularly demoralizing because the loss of key players to what appear to be serious injuries. And, in fact, in Matt Eberflus's, uh press conference that just finished a few minutes ago, he announced that Darnell Mooney's season is over with. where are you, What's your thought right now on the state of the Chicago Bears?
1: Well – Obviously, they're hurting. I mean that when you go into a game and and three quarters of your secondary is out, that that doesn't help you. And, and you go back to when they made the trades down at the uh, trade deadline. You, you traded your best linebacker. You traded your best pass rusher. So the defense is totally depleted, and and the injuries don't help. But and not only did you have starters go down, you had backups go down during the game. So it'll be really interesting to see. You know, how serious these are. The Bears, except for the case of Darnell, the Bears are always very vague as to the extent of the injuries. You know, right after uh, Eddie Jackson got hurt, you know, you you look on Twitter and everybody's saying, well, it was an Achilles. You know what? I've been looking, if he he tore his Achilles, and maybe he did, but somebody would have had it by now. It's 24 hours later and nobody has anything. Now, I've torn my Achilles, so I know what it's like. And that reaction was not really an Achilles reaction to me, having been through it. And we, I think we all saw the, the video of uh, Tariq Cohen tear his Achilles in training just about, about a month before training camp started. Right. right. That's an Achilles tear reaction. You know, and it's it's extremely painful for about ten seconds, and then your foot goes numb. At least that's what happened with me. Uh, so, and mine was just you know three years ago, so it's it's still close to my mind. Uh, but it, let's just think worst case scenario. Let's say it is years ago. Sorry, that, you did okay. Ahead. You got me now okay years ago that could have been a career ending injury that is no longer the case they have developed the surgical techniques there is a fairly new technique that all the top ankle and foot doctors are using uh to repair an achilles it's called the PARS technique and it really quickens up the recovery it and, and I'll try to explain it. And, and the only reason I know all this is because I went through it. Um, but when, when you tear an Achilles tendon, it's a tendon. So, you know, it, you, I had a complete rupture, so it tore all the way across. So what happens is the top and the bottom, sometimes the top can shrivel right up into your calf. But, you know, the ends look like a mop for lack of a better term. You know what I mean by the different strands? And with this parse technique, what they do, let's say this is the mop on the top and this is the mop on the bottom. They kind of put it together like this. They used to cut off those strands and then sew the, the tendon back together. And then you have to restretch it out, which, and that was one of the reasons it took so damn long to recover from it. And and sometimes, you know, depending on how much they cut off, it just, you didn't have that flexibility. Well, in, in this method where they, you're not cutting off any of the, the tendon, you're just stitching it back together, stitching through those strands, it actually becomes stronger than it was with, with the scar tissue. The rehab isn't nearly as long, uh, you know, so let's, hypothetically, if he did it, there's even a chance he could take part in OTAs. You know, that that's how quick the recovery can be. Everybody's going to be different. I mean, I was 68 years old and I had mine. So, I mean, I wasn't going to, you know, I wasn't going out and sprinting five, six months later. But there have been guys that have played five months after sur- after the surgery, six months after.
0: Well, I know you probably were sprinting about a year afterwards, right? I'm sorry, what? You probably were sprinting about a year afterwards, right? After the sprint. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to get into the topic, the main topic at hand. We're going to talk about several things, but the main topic. You is... know what?
1: Although you're not coming through my headset, I'm okay. hearing you. Is there? A, it's coming through my computer, so. But you're, there's no bio, There's no problem with the with, with an echo or a delay, right? No, and everybody
0: I mean, is uh, in the chat room. We're Do good. it this
1: way. Is that okay? okay.
0: That'll work absolutely.
1: Okay, so Um, now you're just coming through the uh, computer.
0: Through speakers, correct. Um, All right, so a lot of fans are starting to question uh, Matt Eberflus's defense. I saw it on social media. I uh, when I was at the bar, excuse me, the Bears. YouTube channel or a number of people in their chat room complaining about the cover too. the fact that uh, the scheme is uh, old fashioned that there are players really great players coming out of the draft who don't fit the scheme so why isn't the scheme fitting the players. Can you address some of those concerns? And I know you have in the past. You said this is not Lovey's cover two. You said this is a, a, a version of it, like a 2.3 or 2.7. So, But I, I'd love for you to expound on that and tell people what you think about Matt Eberflus's 2022 defense with the Chicago Bears.
1: Well, okay, let, let's start at the basics. And the basics are in order for any – defense to be good you've got to have good players okay and what the, right now the defense doesn't have very many good players and yesterday they lost a few more so what are, what are you, what are you supposed to do that's not the scheme that's the talent okay and now let's fast forward to that who said some of these guys in the draft aren't fits who's not a fit
0: the number one player that comes to mind, according to many people, is Will Anderson. The defensive why isn't end. he a
1: fit? And, I, and, and I'm just what I do, is I'm posing the, the question to everybody, is it, why isn't he a fit?
0: Because he appears to be more of a 3-4 linebacker, 240s, and this uh, defense with its 4-3 alignment would prefer to have a larger defensive end.
1: Okay. Do you know what Alex Brown weighed when we drafted him?
0: To, I think you mentioned in an earlier show. 14, he's about 48 pounds.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you know you can take that and shove it. Um, and I'm not saying that to you to anybody because it's and, and I don't know if Anderson's going to be considered the the top edge rusher in this draft. There's still a long way to go. One thing I do know: a year ago, so the 2021 season. He has 18 and a half sacks. Okay, so you think he's going to ball up? Well, guess what? He only has half that this year. Hmm. So why is that? Our, our teams, you know, and you got to really get down and watch all the tape. And you know, and it's not YouTube tape, which is highlights. You got to watch all the tape and you see. Okay, are are people scheming against him to keep him from making plays? And that very well could be. The answer, or it also could be that the Alabama defense isn't as talented as it was a year ago, and so it's easier to take away him because there's not as many good supporting pieces on the rest of the defensive line. And I get—I'm throwing hypotheticals at you because I haven't studied Alabama to that extent where I could give you, you know, a direct answer, but. And then people say, Carter from, from Georgia. Well, when he's healthy, he's damn good. But he has missed some time. So what are the health issues? And, and all this stuff will be answered, not necessarily to us, but to the team's liking, is, you know, when they get to the combine and they have their medicals. And then you're going to, you know, they're going to go through these players You know, if a guy had a knee issue, if he had a knee issue back in high school, I guarantee you when he gets to the combine, they're going to do an MRI on the knee that he hurt in high school. That's what they do. Okay. When I was working for the bears at that time, they were doing over 600 MRIs at the combine per year. There's only 200 or 325 or 35 players invited to the combine. That's like two MRIs per person. Mm -hmm. And there's some that obviously don't get any because they haven't been hurt. So the medical they get will be the most comprehensive medical they have in their entire life. And so you want to find out exactly what's there. Now, in saying that, you're only as good as finding out what information you had beforehand. In other words, Player X had a knee problem. There are schools that withhold information. And I'll I'll give you a perfect example, Uh, the great running back Adrian Peterson. Oklahoma said he had one knee surgery. Well, he had more than one knee surgery when he was at Oklahoma. But you didn't find that out until after the fact. Wow. Okay. Um, Dusty Dvorak, also from Oklahoma, had a foot problem. That foot problem was never checked out at the combine because it was never in his medical records that were shipped to the NFL from Oklahoma at that time. So, you know, the school's got to be above ground in giving you the information. Otherwise, guys, you know, a guy could have a a problem and you're not going to know about it. All of a sudden, you address the guy and he's getting hurt all the time. Because you you couldn't address it at the Combine. It doesn't matter what team it takes. And then, you know, if, if it's our team, the media is going to jump all over you because you didn't know about it when it really couldn't be helped.
0: Mm-hmm. So some people are complaining. Uh, for instance, uh, Handsome Duke uh, here in our very own chat room. He says that Iberflus is a defensive-minded coach and he should be able to scheme something He's done nothing week in, week in and week out.
1: What's he supposed to do with the players he has? Now, don't forget, a month ago, they—they they, their best pass rusher, guy had 18 and a half sacks last year, and actually because of him freed up other people. You take him out. How many sacks have the edge players had since he's been traded besides none? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's a problem. And I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, what's the – Biggest need for this team going into free agency. It's and, and I don't care about the draft because free agency comes first. The draft is a reflection of what you do in free agency. They work hand in hand. you got two areas of, of, of player acquisition, and you worry about the draft after you take part in free agency. Now, in, in, in saying all that, Part of it is what's your draft position? Now they're gonna know their draft position before a free agency starts. They're not gonna know if they can trade down, trade up, or whatever. Right now they're sitting at number two. Does so that mean they're gonna be sitting at number two in six more weeks? Who the hell knows? And and you know, we'll we'll find out in six weeks. But if you're sitting at two or three, you can say. You got a pretty damn good idea who you can get. I mean, it's going to be A or B. Let's say, okay, let, let's just, for lack of an argument, say it's Anderson or Carter. And let's say, okay, so the pass rusher, in my opinion, is the better player. And I'm just throwing darts at the wall here. Because that, you know, when you look at value of the position, the pass rusher is better. So that means I better go out and get me a defensive tackle in free agency. And if I got to spend a little extra, I'm going to spend a little extra, okay. And then you also look at free agency and say, "No, I don't think I can get the, you know, a real good pass rusher in free agency this year." Now, people, people have mentioned, you know, the the guy at uh, New Orleans. He's a, you know, one of the best pass rushers in this year's upcoming free agency class. He's got a half a sack this year. He's had one year of production. Last year he had nine sacks. Before that, he's done a four or five sack guy. So you're going to pay him a lot of money?
0: Is, is that, is, is that Marcus Davenport? Davenport?
1: Yes. Yeah, okay. one. Unless he got something yesterday and I didn't look, he he had one half sack this year. So why are you going after him? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I
1: agree. And and you see all these people, you know, mock drafts. Mock drafts are clickbait right now. They're absolutely meaningless. Number one, you don't know who's in the draft. Juniors have to declare. And, And until they declare, again, you're throwing a dart at the wall because you don't know. And the teams don't know. You know, The agents know more than the teams do because, uh, you know, these kids are talking to the agents or their families are talking to the agents and they're being heavily recruited. But now that the, unless your team's in a bowl game, the college season's over. And, you know, so you'll be teams that, you know, if a kid's going to opt out of a bowl game, they may sign with an agent or whatever. So we're going to start to see names trickle in. Okay. Who's going to enter the draft? And and you know, the last five, six years, there's been over a hundred underclassmen that enter the draft. That's, that's there's three rounds of players there. Now some of those hundred don't even get drafted or 120, I think. You know, they don't even get drafted, but it's somebody says here we need mock grass for hope. No, you don't. You <laughs> mock dress do nothing but fool you because they're not realistic. They, they are not realistic they don't that that's and I, I, i'm not trying to bang draft analysts here it's you've got very little information you know use will anderson as a, a perfect example okay going into the season he was the guy 18 and a half sacks this year but you gotta answer the big question why did his, his production drop in half
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and when you can answer that question Mm -hmm. and it satisfies you, then then you could be good to go. Mm -hmm. And I just play as advocate here. I'm not trying to criticize the player at all. I'm just trying to, you know, I've been through the process. I know what happens in these discussions. Mm -hmm. And and you're going to get, here's, here's, you know, going forward. Most teams will bring in their, their scouts next week. Maybe some will start bringing them in this week they're going to spend a week they're going to put it, it i won't even call it a preliminary board because it's really elimination process i mean yeah you put their names up on a board and it's based on on pretty much the highest grade that you have in your system it's not a culmination of all the grades okay so you could have a shitty player that has an 8-0 grade because some scout you know misevaluated the guy and so he's got your say your best grade in the system but that doesn't mean come uh april he's gonna be there he could be way you know he could be number 220 for well, we know it, it it's so it it's the process now when you get into december is more of a, an elimination process where you're you got names you got you got 13 14 1500 names well you know your draft board's going to have a hundred names on it when you get to get there in April. So you got to start pairing the fat and could be character risks, could be guys that you know are going to be injury problems. be guys that just aren't scheme fits. Um, You know, in this scheme, I'd be hard pressed to see that if there was a big 340, 350 pound defensive lineman, they'd be even that, they would be even interested in because that's not the type of player that plays in the scheme. It's the type of player you play in a two-gap, three-man scheme, three-man front. So you do those types of things, and and now like at, at the off-the-ball linebacker position, you're looking for more speed. That's like you know speed, coverability, guys who can play three downs, and so guys that are coming in at four-eight, they don't play fast, and they. They can't cover. You eliminate those guys because they're not going to be fits within your scheme.
0: The other thing that I think fans uh, and me even some analysts fail to account is this scheme change that the Bears underwent going from a 3-4 to a 4-3. It's impossible in one season to get all of this personnel you need when you're making such a dramatic change in personnel. Can you talk a little bit about that? And I mean, I know you have uh, in the past and we've gone through this before, but I'd like, you know, the best way to communicate something is to say it over and over and over again, because eventually somebody will start to understand. (laughs) And so, you know, this three, this four three is different than what the bears have been running the last several years.
1: Well, It, it's even though the Bears ran a 3-4 last year, it, it that scheme is more similar let's go back to when lovey came in in 2004. okay when we came in 2001 Greg Blosh was the defensive coordinator and in his scheme and there's nothing wrong with his scheme it's what he wanted to run and he played he used a lot of three four principles on a four three front. We had probably the biggest, except for Alex Brown in, in, in 2003, we had probably the biggest defensive line in football. I, You know, when you look at the size, Philip Daniels was about 315, 320, playing the one at the left-end spot. Then you had Keith Traylor and, and, and Ted Washington playing the inside tackles. They were about 375 apiece and 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 the program weight might have been 350 but that was lying so you know huge guys that couldn't move that well couldn't really rush the passer greg Bloch was not a big believer in sacks he was a believer in pressures but the only guy that could come off the edge you know, it was we had that linebacker when I first came here, and then he went to he, we lost him in free agency to New England. I can't remember his name for Purdue, uh,
0: uh, Roosevelt Colvin, yeah, Rosie Colvin.
1: So we had Rosie, we lost Rosie in free agency to the Pats, I believe it was free agency, and then we drafted Alex. And, and Alex came in the fourth round, you know, you don't have to get a top pass rusher in, in the first round. I'll tell you what, I, I saw a thing today somebody said the best defensive and football player in the NFL this year is Max Crosby from the Raiders. I'm not, I might be wrong in saying this, but I think he was a third round pick.
0: That, that's correct. Yeah.
1: You know, so uh, it, it's, it's just, a, you know, a culmination of things you got to get lucky. There's no question. You got to get lucky, but You know, people want to worry about the draft now. And, and you know, half the fan base is praying that they lose. Just lose nicely. Don't get blown out, you know. So so we can have the high pick. But I guarantee you, the coaches and the players aren't thinking that way. That is not part of their DNA, not part of their thought process.
0: By the way, I just looked it up, Mac. Max Crosby was selected in the fourth round, the 106th okay. overall pick.
1: Okay. So, well, a lot of people say he's the best defensive player in the National Football League this year.
0: Very, very interesting. All right. I'd like to now talk about individual players because I um, I love Kendall Vildor. I met him at the Senior Bowl. I've been pulling for this kid since day one. But his uneven play, I mean, let's face it, this is his third year uh, or fourth year in in the league. And it just seems like he hasn't achieved that type of consistency that you should rely on for a starting cornerback and even for a backup cornerback. Am am I giving up too quickly on Kendall Vildor?
1: Well, let me ask you this. Do you expect him to pitch a shutout every game?
0: (laughs) No, not at that position, that's for sure.
1: Okay. Well, you're going to give up pass receptions. And I think that's what people think. They're supposed. To, if they give up a pass reception, they suck. You know, it, it, it's, it's overboard. You got to look at the overall play. There's good and there's bad. You're going to, especially at that position, that position more than any other position, you're going to get beat. The best get beat. I see Jalen Ramsey this year is supposed to be the best corner in football. Get beat a ton of times this year. And get deep bad. Does that mean he sucks? It's a good
0: point. And as Tony says, it's hard to grade defensive backs because your defensive line is just not uh, getting pressure. So
1: hey, you know, you you can't cover those guys for five seconds. Mm-hmm. That's impossible. They got they got. You know, the, the receiver has the uh, advantage on that one. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm not sticking up for for any of the players. He got big bad on one play. Mm-hmm. But Jalen. But has, what?
0: But he has lost his job. I mean, last year he was in the in the starting and Sean Desai benched him. And uh, you know, he he has struggled a bit to to get onto the field. And it seems like when he's I, out. I think mean,
1: overall play this year has with him has been a plus. When he's been out, they've missed him. They, you know, tells you something that they insert. As soon as he's back healthy again, they put him right back in the starting unit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that hasn't been the case with everybody, with this particular coaching staff, with everybody that gets hurt. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that you got to take that into consideration. Would you like a little better? Yeah, maybe. With the pass rush out? Definitely. Mm-hmm. But... You know, I, I think it's a, it's a combination of everything. There's a lot of things to fix, and you're not going to fix it all in this one-off season. Mm-hmm. Okay, to me, priority number one is defensive line, and people oh, I got to have the offensive line. I don't think the offense. I think the offensive line needs one player, and then they need to be healthy. Right,
0: one okay. player and depth. Right,
1: one a right tackle. Right. OK, that's assuming. Uh, OK, now, could you go and, and, and say Cody Whitehair is done, you know, given his is he going to be worth to the team? You no, know, I've always said this. If you're making uh, what's he make an extra eight million dollars or something like that. Is he giving you eight million dollars in production for the eight million you're giving him and pay? And if the answer is no. Then okay, well, maybe we got to replace him. It's it's time to ship him out. So, and again, hypothetical. So, but who are you gonna replace him with? Is that guy gonna be better? Mm-hmm. And what's it gonna cost you to replace him? Or is that guy already here? Is it J. Tyree Carter? Is it Leatherwood? Or is Leatherwood going to be the right tackle? I just know Leatherwood's really struggled on the right side with the Raiders. So mm-hmm. I'd be a little timid myself trying to play him on the right side. As bad as he played for the Raiders as a right tackle, and then when you go back and you look at him in college, and he was a hell of a left tackle. He mm-hmm. so answer- tells him to play on the left side,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but when you flip everything around, and you got your right hand in the dirt instead of your left hand, and you got your right foot back instead of your uh, left foot, he gets all screwed up.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you anticipate uh, Alex Leatherwood? I know you have talked a little bit about it. What might be best for Leatherwood if he was mothballed this season and allowed to develop uh, over the offseason and so forth. But given the injuries, we don't know the status of Riley Reef. For for a Sunday's game, we don't know the status of Larry Borum, who left the game with an ankle injury, according to Matt Eberflus today. What, what do you think about put, potentially putting Leatherwood in at right tackle and finally getting a look at this young man?
1: Yeah, I, me throwing a dart here, I think they've written off Borum. You know, Borum has. We had high hopes for him because he had flashes of, of good play. But, you know, you're looking for a young player to keep climbing. And, you know, eventually he's going to level out. And then you hope that he starts climbing again because he keeps getting better. He's leveled out and hasn't gotten any better. And, you know, people want to blame that one sack on him. That's the second time I've seen this happen where an outside guy has come free and killed a quarterback. Yeah. and in the right tackle has been blocking down guess what guys that wasn't his fault you know the fault of us the quarterbacks why is that uh, greg well he's got to change the protection okay okay you you look at, and i went back to look at the play and i said damn he came free what was there a back there so i yeah. went back and played it back like you know right in in, in real time and they had an empty backfield mm-hmm. So there was no back to pick this guy up. He had a free reign to the quarterback. So that's up for the to quarterback. You know, he sees that. That guy's out in a, in a nine technique, even, shit, nine and a half technique. He was way out wide. Nobody was set to block him. You've got to change your protection at the line of scrimmage.
0: Question about yesterday's game, uh, the offense in that first half or particularly in the first quarter came out strong. They were completing passes. There was Temple to the passing game. It's one thing that I was most interested about yesterday's game is to see how a veteran quarterback could operate uh, Luke Getz's offense. And then all of a sudden just things uh, uh, flew off the rails to start the third quarter. They went three and out. The uh, Jets went three and out, but then the Bears again went three and out. And then finally the Jets got their offense going and the game got out of control. But do you think that we learned anything about Luke Getz's offense based on what you saw with a veteran quarterback running it?
1: No, because what happened is, is I, I don't think the, the well, I, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Um, There's a good friend of mine on on the Jets staff. So Wednesday, I get a text. Wednesday night, late, get a text. You think Fields is going to play? No. I don't know. Why should I give out information? You know. So (laughs) then the next day, do you think Fields is going to play? No, he's listed as. Questionable and and limited, you know, so they some of the games that that Eberflus was playing, you know, with the with his not disclosing all information that does screw up the other team because they don't know exactly what to prepare for. They're Mm -hmm. probably thinking all week fields is going to play but just in case we got to prepare for the other guy. But you don't have any tape of the other guy playing during the season really this year. You know, so and and on top of that he gets hurt in the warm up with an oblique. Now I don't know if that's true or not, but I know I know one thing. He's not the most mobile guy in the world. And it took the Jets two series to figure that out. And so then they started changing what they were doing as far as we're going to attack, attack and attack some more because he can't move. And he doesn't have a big arm to begin with, but if that thing was, if that oblique was, was hurting him as far as his release and getting the ball out and having some velocity on the ball, you know, I don't even know what side he hurt. Nobody disclosed that was it the right side or the left side, but, if it, if that was the case, then you know he became a sitting duck. I, I tweeted out, you may have seen it. I said, you got to have a backup that's good enough to win when your starter goes down, and he isn't good enough. And so you know, and and so always well, he was playing hurt. I don't care. He can't move around number one, and so you've got a entirely different quarterback than than what your starter is, and that's usually the case in the National Football League, but he's got no juice on that ball. Mm. And there's plays that were there that because he can't drive the ball as good as you'd like, ended up getting broken up.
0: Yeah, frankly, I was a little surprised by that tweet, uh, Greg, because given the fact that he had supposedly this injury and given the fact that it was very, very wet conditions, I mean, that that was a constant downpour uh, for all four quarters and, and for uh, – uh, uh, pre-game as well. It was for me hard to evaluate. You know just how hard he can plant and throw that ball. So and, I,
1: and I'll and I'll give you that. I you know. So I think it's it's like okay, let's get one more week. But if that's all he's going to give you, let's say it doesn't change. If that if that's all he's going to give you, then that isn't good enough. Okay, so. It's now one of the needs then going into the off-season could be we gotta have a better backup. And in that tweet I had, I was looking through some of the responses, and there were so one. And I and I and I never reply to replies to my tweets or very rarely, but this one I did. I said, bring back Trubisky. And you know what, I I, I go, you know what, It's probably not going to happen. But that would be a good person. But I think upstairs it just wouldn't work with him being that he was a first round pick. But when you look at his arm talent, his maneuverability, can he win a game if your starter goes down? We, We know that, you know, so would he be an ideal backup within this scheme?
0: Yeah, yeah I, I it would drive my buddy Mike North crazy to see him as a second stringer, <laughs> but uh, I, I like the idea might, as well.
1: Mike might have the big one and end up six feet under if that happened. <laughs> you
0: ain't kidding. <laughs> All right, let's get to some of the questions because they're piling up here. Uh, even before the show began, Brent Murphy asked us What do you guys think is going on with Travis Gibson? I personally like his talent and felt he could be a lot better than he is now. Always look forward to the show after a Bears game. What do you think about Mr. Gibson and his play so far?
1: He's not showing up. Yeah, Part of the reason is because you don't have a guy that you've got to contain on the other side. Okay, now, you know, looking at this realistically, at one, you really had Khalil Mack and Quinn. Okay, and Matt goes down, and Quinn comes, and and rather, uh, Khalil Matt goes down, and Gibson comes in. But you know, Quinn's having a career year. Well, who are they concentrating on? Mm -hmm. And so now, you know, there is no outstanding pass rusher. You know, it's a guy that's yeah, I agree, he's got some talent, but. You can say it's like like the Larry Boreham thing. He's hit that plateau. He better start climbing the wall some more or he's not going to be around because there hasn't been a sack by an outside guy in four weeks now. Hmm. And that ain't good enough. That's awful. That's and, awful. And I'll get a pass to Robinson. He's a rookie who's only been playing defense. It's only the third year he's played defense. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's still learning how to play the position. And I think he's got to get bigger and stronger, you know, just looking at it.
0: And uh, Brad Biggs' uh, 10 thoughts about the, the game is always stellar Monday column or day after the game column. He said that he talked with the defensive line coach of the Chicago Bears. And one of the reasons or excuses Uh, that he offered for the lack of sacks is that teams are running the ball so successfully against the Chicago Bears that the Bears defensive linemen are not getting as many opportunities for one-on-one pass rushes and that therefore their opportunities to create pressure, create sacks, create quarterback hurries are limited because of uh, the Bears first have to stop the run, and teams are just going to continue to take advantage of that. Do you think that's BS, or do you think there's some truth to that?
1: Well, there's some truth to it, but still, when you got third and eight, wh- wh- where's the excuse for that? Yeah. Okay. Now, when you've got when you're staying ahead of the chains, that is advantage offense as far as your play calling and, and you know, you can run or pass whatever the hell you want. And, and, and that does take away from the ability of the defensive line to get off the ball quickly. But still there's been plenty of times when there's been third long or your second and 12 or something like that. And, 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 you know, a pass is coming and they're not getting pressure. They got some pressure last week and the week before, because they were they were blitzing more than they ever do, mm-hmm. but they didn't blitz yesterday because so many damn guys were hurt in the secondary that they had to drop their their underneath people. The linebackers had to play in the coverage, so mm-hmm. you couldn't lie, You couldn't leave that secondary totally barren. And mm-hmm. we saw the results. I mean, how this guy this this white guy had the game of his life, but he was playing against a bunch of backups. They're both exactly. that game.
0: Yeah, it was like a uh, week one or a week two preseason game for Mike White. It really was. Yeah. Cole Komet said something that I thought was very interesting, something that I had not thought much of in all my years of following football, but I think he was totally accurate. He talked about the amount of injuries that have hit this team in such a short amount of time and how that works on the psyche of players and i'm paraphrasing here how that works on the psyche of players who are still in the game because now you don't know if you can trust that guy who just came in at right tackle or that guy that came in at some other position and you might get slammed because that guy that new replacement is it doesn't have the knowledge, the experience, the trust of teammates to follow their position, and that's what leads to even more injuries. I see you smiling a little bit. What do you think about that?
1: <laughs> because my just listening the way you describe that, and, and I heard part of his his presser, but not all of it. It's like, then why is that guy on the team? Not Cole commit. No,
0: no, yeah, I understand. <laughs> the,
1: the guy, the guy you can't trust.
0: Right.
1: You know, if, if if he's not, if he is showing practice that he can't be trusted, so that when he gets put in the game, you can't trust him. He shouldn't be on the team. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I, but I do have this feeling, uh, Greg, and I, I, I think you'll agree with me, is that there was a time uh, during the player acquisition period where Ryan Poles and his team of up personnel people, they were just saying, man, there aren't enough guys out there that we need. So let's stack up all of our resources or as many resources as we can for 2023 when there will be more players available that fit our scheme and what we want to do. Here. I don't
1: know if there's, there's going to be more players available to fit your scheme, but I think he, what he was doing more just for, for sake of a little bit of an argument here is – I want to get rid of the, the dead weight that I know is not going to be here in two years. We, we, we could have played with Khalil Mack this year. We could have played with Quinn this year. We could have played with Roquan this year. But we knew that, you know, like Roque or, or Khalil started off like gangbusters like he usually does. But now he's slowing up and I haven't looked at, at what his numbers are the last couple of weeks but it's not like it was in the beginning of the year because that's what happens to him. He's been beat up so much that, okay, I'm rested. I'm I'm new to the season. He feels great. But then he gets nagged up and he can't play like he was playing early in the year. So they see when they study the tape, you see that. That's why Belichick is, you know, Belichick has always been noted for getting rid of a guy assumed to be one year early. When he already knows they're going downhill, mm-hmm. so he gets rid of them when he can get maximum value. Mm-hmm. When I know they're going, but you don't.
0: <laughs> That's good. But I gotta, I gotta throw this one in here because prior to the season, uh, you and and I, with my limited knowledge of the game compared to you, uh, were were thinking that Mario Edwards would have been a really good player on this defense and uh, here they are paying him, paying some of his salary, but he wasn't, did not make the team. Do you uh, still think that Mario Edwards could have helped this team?
1: You know, when I look at the way Mario Edwards played the last two years for the bears, I thought, yes, but something tells me. And I, nobody's ever confirmed this. So I'm, you know, throwing, am shit at the wall he wasn't buying in hmm. and if he wasn't buying in you know they didn't even play him in the preseason. so that tells me that you know what he wasn't buying in we don't want him this part of this this team
0: yep good point all right we got some more questions here to get to uh these injuries, ask uh, PZ, how far back does this set back the rebuild? How far back does it uh, impact the rebuild? I would imagine you know, that not having your starters there could be looked at as an opportunity for other players, for, for, for instance, Justin Fields to develop a, a, a relationship with Chase Claypool if Darnell Mooney is not playing, etc., cetera, et cetera. What do you think about PZ's question?
1: i don't think it in fairness i don't think it sets back anything it gives you actually the opportunity to turn it around gives you the opportunity to look at more players that Mm -hmm. ordinarily you wouldn't have had a chance to look at and then you make a determination you know what he's not good enough or he's showing me a little bit more than i thought that he had you know and and so you know perfect example is is jack sanborn you know, undrafted free agent, and uh you know he jumped out the preseason. And, and and the one thing about Sanborn, and, and I saw a tweet yesterday. Somebody, you know, the guy who has that ras thing, and he yeah, thinks, uh, Ken Clatty. Yeah, yeah, he thinks that's the be all end all. All it is is one little tiny tool. It doesn't tell you if you're a good football player. That's correct. Okay, so. Who's one of the best linebackers to ever play the game for the Chicago Bears?
0: One of the best linemen, offensive linemen? Linebackers. Linebackers. Well, Dick
1: Butkus. Of no, course. okay, but no, that that's before combine days. But oh, okay.
0: But best I was gonna score. I was just gonna say that Dick Butkus probably would have had a terrible RAS score.
1: Oh, guaranteed. <laughs> he'd probably be an undrafted free agent today because you know ran he'd probably run a five flat or a five-one. Uh But it was a different game then, and, you know, he he could do what he could do. But Lance Briggs, Lance Briggs' wrath was worse than Sanborn's. Hmm. Sanborn, in every single category, and there's things that that Lance didn't do that Sanborn did do, um, that, you know, Sanborn was better. He's faster, he can jump higher, he can jump farther. His three cone is he had a sub uh, seven second three cone. That's excellent for a linebacker. He's got like a 696 three cone. Um, and, and his 20 shuttle is pretty good too. He's got like 34-inch arms and he's six, one, and three quarters. You know, so 34-inch arms are really, really long for a guy who's you know under six foot two. So, but what he's got most important, throw out all those numbers. His instincts are rare. Mm-hmm. And that's what Lance had. Rare instincts. And go back to when I told you, you know, Lovey said, saw that four, seven, eight. He goes, he can't play will, he's too slow. Lovey, his instincts are rare. You know, he plays four, five, five. Well, that's Samborne. And they, they, they isolated him on that one play yesterday where he, you know, read the play instantaneously. And t- what do he had, I, I say, when I'm talking about linebackers, I go they either, they're either reactors or anticipators. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you're a reactor, you're seeing it and then you react. Mm-hmm. Anticipator is ahead, one step ahead. Okay, he's mm-hmm. an anticipator. So he saw that play, and then he not only gets over in the right position, but there's a guy out there to, to block him, and he undercuts that guy, you know, with a little move and then makes the play for a loss. That's all instinct. Yeah. You can't teach it.
0: Well, his linebackers coach uh told Brad Biggs that it's not just instincts, it's also immense preparation that Sanborn, who has played linebacker since he was a kid really loves the game, as a student of the game, and so that when you mix in that uh, instinct and, and anticipation along with great study of what the other team is running, you get a Jack Sandmore, a guy who is not athletically gifted but uh, is certainly making a name for himself in his rookie season.
1: Well, he's, right. he, let's put it this way. Sure. He's not exactly what you want speed-wise in today's game. He ran a four seven two. 2 but like Lance, who ran a four seven eight, he plays a lot faster because of the instincts. Yeah, there you go.
0: All right, earlier when we were talking, when you uh, brought up free agency and that that's the next big step for player acquisition, uh, Pepe asked about uh, Darren Payne from uh, The Commander, somebody that you've talked about a number of times on this show uh, before. And so I want to expand your endorsement of Darren uh, was we'll sort of expand on it, but what I want to basically ask you is, y- you're either got to go after Payne or Jalen Carter because these three tech defensive linemen are hard to find. They don't grow on trees.
1: Well, you and- know, I think there's there's a few guys in free agency that you go after. Okay, first of all, I think Jones can play either position hmm mm-hmm. okay and and he's the best interior guy they got right now okay there's hargrove from the eagles hargrove theoretically might be the best guy mm-hmm. the most explosive guy and he, he he fits what you're looking for the negative on hargrove is he's going to be 30 next year mm-hmm. so how much money do you want to give a guy who's going to be 30 and, you know, how long is he going to be able to play at that high level? So that's a question. If they want to do it, fine. Because, I, you know, based on watching him play for the Eagles last year or this year, the guy's a monster. He's a hell of a football player. Mm-hmm. Okay. Payne's 26 years old. I'd rather have Payne. Yeah,
0: me too. <laughs> I'd rather be 26 so, years old.
1: And I think Payne can play in the position. Now Washington's on record saying we're going to do everything we can to bring him back, but they're going to have problems Mm -hmm. to be able to bring him back, to be able to pay what he wants. And they've also, you know, they got the number one pick in the draft from a couple years ago, who's been dinged up. But he's, you know, when he's playing, he's great. And and sometimes you just you know, it's that You got to wait on those guys, but that guy's got to get paid, too. So right. somebody is going to be let out the door. Mm-hmm. And who's it going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. he's going to be due about 18, 19 million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And then there's a guy. What The hell's his name? Bates with Denver. who's a pretty good player, too. Now, they're playing a three-man front, but he can play the three. And he's a pretty darn good player, and yeah. he's a free agent. So you got players there that you know it's like, okay, who can I get? And you could, you know, you're going to start. Everybody cheats. You're going to start talking to the agents early. You're going to be talking at the combine, and, and even before that, hell, I wouldn't be surprised if they're talking to people now, and yeah. and, and you know, off the record, so to speak, and. Go well, from there, and you're gonna you're you're gonna know because that's gonna determine. Go back to what I said at the beginning of the show. Before free agency starts, you're gonna know what draft position you have. Mm-hmm. Well, you might if, if you're picking in the top three, top four, you're gonna have an idea you you can get player A or player B, and you're not you're not gonna, you know, worst case scenario, you're gonna get player B. And so based on that, I'm going to do this in free agency. Well, you know, if they're picking eighth, then they don't have, they don't know what they're getting at that point. Right. You know, okay. so that becomes a different story. So now the draft becomes a reaction to what you do in free agency.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Uh, Toa has a question here. In the unlikely event that Orlando Brown becomes a free agent, do you sign uh, the left tackle to shore up that side and then move Braxton Jones, who I know you're very, very high on? Uh, But do you then uh, uh, bring in uh, Orlando Brown and then move Braxton Jones, perhaps to the other tackle position or left guard? And then you can probably look for that uh, three-tackle or pass rusher in the draft. Thoughts on that?
1: Well, Orlando Brown's going to cost you at least $20 million Mm -hmm. because he ain't signed anything yet. And he is like Roquan. I'm my own agent. You know, so you got a problem with that. one? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Kansas City, I would bet would tag him again. He'd get a twenty percent raise. It'd be cheaper for him to do a deal. I'm sure they want to get a deal done with him. Mm-hmm. I'd be kind of surprised if he ends up in free agency. The only thing is, you know, you're playing an outside zone scheme, which it, it, and and you've seen some of the clips where Braxton Jones gets out in front of people. Mm-hmm. And is hitting people five, six, seven yards downfield, and and adjusting on the move and still crushing them. Orlando Brown can't do that in a thousand years. Yeah. Okay. Go back to Orlando Brown's combine where he was the laughingstock of the combine.
0: <laughs> I remember, yes.
1: <laughs> okay, and, and it's like my God, he's going to drive. He, he might be a free agent after this. And that's where you got to throw out the 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 shorts Olympics and, and go back to the tape because his tape was pretty good. And I remember, you know, I, I met with him that off season, you know, before the draft, I, I was doing a thing for uh, this group out of Chicago. That was, uh, they did this draft thing uh, down in Dallas and it was on ESPN. Dusty DeVore check was, was uh, one of the announcers, Bill Polian was involved. And I did like a behind the scenes thing that they use where I was interviewing the players in a combine type interview. Okay. Yeah. And, and he was one of the guys that uh, I interviewed. He was really a good guy. I mean, he had his head screw on straight. Now when you looked at him, he said he wasn't a warrior in the weight room. <laughs> That's for sure. Was, you know, the way, the way it looked at his body, but he, He's very, very strong. Put it this way, he's not built like his dad was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, his dad was huge.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and this guy's huge. But now he, you know, he's he's matured, but a good kid. And would you want to have him? Yeah, you're not gonna turn it down, but you wanna pay 20 million when you got a rookie, fifth round pick. You're paying minimum salary to it for another three years. Who's going to do nothing but get better? Right. Yeah.
0: I'm with you there. All right. Let's get to another question here um, from Mike. Assume that the Bears end up with the second overall pick. You got to trade down if you get a good offer, Right. We have too many holes on the roster to just take one player. This is the $64,000 question uh, that is being asked by so many people. You've got this great draft slot if you do end up at number two. A lot of teams are searching for a quarterback. They're going to come calling you. What do you do? Do you say – Okay.
1: Here's where your one assumption is bad. You're assuming they want to trade up to get a quarterback. Okay. Okay, so – because that's usually what happens. Okay, and I've done <laughs> all the top quarterbacks mm-hmm. and I, I did them for a team. And I just finished literally this morning. And my number one guy isn't what the draft media's number one guy is, based on pure talent. Not what he's done in, in, in college, but based on and I'll tell you who it isn't. My number one is, is Will Lovis from University of Kentucky, my number one quarterback. My number two is, is Young from Alabama, and then the Ohio State kid would be third out of the, that group of three.
0: Okay.
1: The, the kid at Ohio State got great numbers. Gets in a big game and he pisses down his leg.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. He's done it two years in a row. And, he, you know, he even said it himself. What's your legacy going to be? I couldn't mm-hmm. win a Big Ten championship and I couldn't beat that team up north. Mm-hmm. So he knows. It. Mm-hmm. And the, the only, uh, the kid from Alabama, yeah, really talented guy. And he's been brought up in a pro system. He's accurate. The only thing that you have against him, and he's got arm talent, is he's not. He's going to be six feet tall. Probably oh, six feet tall, 190, 195 pounds. Maybe you're lucky. He's going to be 200. Levis has got better arm talent. I, I put this in my report to the team I did this for. I said put Levis at Alabama and uh, or Ohio State. And he's hands down the number one pick in the draft. Wow. There's no no question about it because his supporting cast at Kentucky sucks. He doesn't have anywhere near the talent that those guys have had. You look at the receivers that Young has had the last few years at Alabama, and you look at the receivers that Stroud's had at Ohio State, he's got all first-round picks. Right. Okay, and, and pretty damn good college offensive line. Yeah, so it it now you got a guy that's, and, and and here's the guy I compare him with a little bit is Josh Allen. He's not as tall as Josh. Josh is six five. Where uh, Lovis is going to be six three. Levis is built like Josh Allen, but probably even stronger. Hmm. I mean, I've seen some close ups of him. The, the boy works in the weight room now. And so, and there's a lot of quarterbacks that never saw the inside of a weight room while they're in college because they're not pushed into it. This kid has, you can, it's obvious. He's got a quick release. He's got a cannon arm. You know, you go back to Josh Allen, Josh Allen never completed more than 58% of his passes in college. And that was one of the questions, you know, about him. is, you know, he's not accurate. Mm -hmm. But what Josh Allen had that it's tough to evaluate unless you really get into the guy's head and really gets know only guy is what's his football character. Mm-hmm. And I put that on in my report too. I said, you know what? I don't know anything about this guy though. I love his talent. And I think if you surround him with, with better people than he has in Kentucky, he'd be hands down the number one quarterback, but I don't know what's up here. I don't know what his football character is. Obviously he works in the weight room, but still when you when you look at how quick his release is, uh, his accuracy, long and short, you know, the raw talents again, it's like Josh Allen, the raw talents there. So when you look at the ceiling, okay, how, how good can Young get? How good Stroud, I think people question his overall arm talent. He's got a good arm, he doesn't have a great arm. You know, it, it's kind of like Mac Jones from uh, from the Patriots was at Alabama before. You know, it, it's above average to good, but it's not, he's no cannon. I have not seen a ball. Now, I'm sure he's thrown it, but I have not seen it when I was looking at tape where he threw the ball more than 45 yards in the air.
0: Well, that's a problem. <laughs>
1: well, um, it's, it, it's just that I haven't seen it. I'm sure he's done it. I just haven't seen it.
0: Yeah. Okay. I get you. Um, Hallballs asked the question, what questions do you, Greg, ask when you're interviewing a prospect at the combine?
1: Well, we had we a set interviewing form mm-hmm. that you'd always go off topic with, but it was the basis to start. And, and it, it, whether it was at the combine or at an all-star game, and we used to tape all our interviews and, you know, the combine, you got 15 minutes at the all-star games. You had a lot more. So some of these things went on for an hour at all-star games, mm-hmm. but you want to, well, first of all, let me back up a little bit. You've already, your area scouts have done a lot of research. So especially if the guy is a good player, but he has some issues, whether it's a it's, uh, uh, law enforcement issue or a drinking issue or something you know th- th- there's there's some snakes in his head from somewhere in the past when you go to an interview you want to already know what the answers are <laughs> through your research oh yeah <laughs> he doesn't know you know what the answers are but and then you start asking them to talk about it and when they bullshit you bye that's right. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, there's a receiver we uh, interviewed and uh, at the combine one year, and he got thrown off. Real talented guy, and he played in the league, but never had a great career in the league. He got thrown off his college team his final year, and it was he was really came out as an underclassman, and. So he asked him about it. Now, Jerry was pretty close to the people at the, you know, who were there. So he, he had what the school thought. But when we got the kid in the room, it was everybody else's fault but his. And this That's- goes back even because we did some, and, and I don't want to say the guy's name, but I'm going to say this. He grew up in Buffalo, so it was my town. So I have my connections in my town. And so there was issues when he was in high school. His town was way up here. But when he would point the finger at everybody else and not point the finger at himself mm-hmm. and, and accept responsibility for his actions, it's like, you know, piss on him. We don't want him. You don't want that guy in your locker room.
0: That's why I'm shocked that the New York Jets drafted Zach Wilson because those were the stories about him, and he's proven it now as a pro that uh, he's not the kind of guy who will accept uh, responsibility. His career in New York is in jeopardy.
1: You know, for um, a good for a good Mormon kid, he got a lot of issues.
0: That's right. I don't think he went to church or whatever other religious uh, environment. Have you
1: ever been? You ever been to BYU?
0: Never been to BYU. I've spent some time in Salt Lake City, but never been to the campus.
1: Well, well, you know, not a big difference. BYU is about an hour down the road. Mm -hmm. It's like a whole different world there. You know, I don't drink coffee. So I have like a Pepsi or a Coke when I'm watching tape and stuff. Do you know you're not allowed? To, there's no coffee allowed on that campus. There's no Pepsi, no Coke in vending machines, no caffeine. Wow.
0: I didn't know that. No. Yeah. <laughs> All I know is that at around nine o'clock at night, I'm looking for a liquor store. I couldn't find one in the entire state.
1: <laughs> the first time I'm there, and so this, this was in the 80s, and there's a Marriott directly across the street from the big uh, cathedral, tabernacle, whatever they call it, more of a tabernacle. So, you know, I was staying at that Marriott, and there was a bar there. So I figured, okay, can I, and I don't know anything about the rules. And this is before they had the the Winter Olympics there, so the rules were totally different. Now things have opened up. So I go in, and I just said – I have a screwdriver bartender says well i'll give you the orange juice <laughs> you gotta go get the vodka oh my god huh? he goes yeah i go well, where the hell do i get the vodka walk through that door there's a little liquor store so yeah you gotta go in they had the little airline bottles
0: <laughs> yeah
1: you know, and and so but the, the bar would still charge about six bucks for the orange juice. So they're uh-huh. still making the money. And they probably own the liquor, and they did this as a Marriott, they own the liquor store. <laughs> but it's it, it was so now on Saturday and there for a game, and on Saturday night, you know, it was like a club type atmosphere, the place is mobbed. Everybody's walking in with a brown bag. But warmers <laughs> aren't supposed to drink.
0: yeah uh i've 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 heard that those kinds of kinds of stories in the past all right i got a couple more questions before we pull the plug on this one um and i apologize to those whose questions i didn't get time here to uh to tackle but jay goodman and a number of other people in the chat room have asked about alan williams so we'll come kind of full circle because we started talking about the defense but you know, people want to know your take on defensive coordinator Alan Williams. They want to know do you think that he, um, has disappointed uh, this season. Uh, Do you think that if he gets better personnel next season, that he can be trusted to utilize that personnel to their utmost? Uh, And I think, and I'll add one there. Do you think that if he gets players, if he's, if the, if he's forced to work with players who are not scheme compliant with his scheme, do you think that he's got the versatility and the coaching uh, whatever to uh, utilize those players effectively?
1: Well, first of all, you're you're not gonna bring in a guy that's not a fit. And and let's talk about fit first. It it it's not you know, you just don't want a 340-pound interior defensive lineman. Right. Okay, they can't move. You you've gotta have some quickness in this in this defense. Like Pennell is not really a fit. Mm-hmm. Plays okay within the scheme but he's not what you want you you're living with him right now okay okay so but the guy does play hard you can't take that away from the guy mm-hmm. uh, so the tight, you, you try to find players that be it free agency or the draft that are going to have the traits so every position like when i was here we had a profile written up for every position this is what we want at the left end this is what we want at the right end this is what we want at the mike linebacker this is what we want We yeah you know height weight speed you know a parameters now would you deviate of course you deviate but yeah. you you want to get as close to the profile the profile is the ideal guy Mm -hmm. Well, how Mm -hmm. often do you get the ideal guy besides almost never? Right, right. But you try to find guys that are close to ideal. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And I I just want to
1: get back to Alan Williams. I think it's really unfair this year to even think about saying he's good enough, not good enough. Totally incomplete grade. Because of the cards he's been dealt, he, he, you know, two of his best players were traded away by plan, mm-hmm. and you know he's playing. He, he, you know, he doesn't have a fifty-two card deck. He's got about forty-three,
0: <laughs> if that.
1: Yeah, and, you know, and he's missing. He's missing a lot of kings, queens, and aces. Mm-hmm. You know, so get him some players, and now see what he can do.
0: Yeah, and, and, and that's, to me, the argument that I have against trading back. If you have the second overall, third overall, you're guaranteed a blue chip player. I mean, that, it, the odds of hitting on a player who is going to be a difference maker, a blue chip player, are much, much higher if you're drafting that high up in the draft. They, well, I don't
1: know if I agree with you. Only because, how many times do we see bus? Okay, perfect example. We're just talking about the kid from uh, the Jets, mm-hmm, who sure. likes his mother's best friend. You know, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Only because I read it. Um, <laughs> Allegedly. Okay. <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> And True, you know, but you know, I, well, you, you've, yeah. mentioned, Sam you've, mentioned,
0: you've mentioned three quarterbacks, and and you know, quarterbacks are overdrafted all the time. But when you get to players like defensive linemen and other position players, I would and I'd have to look at the analytics here. I would think that the higher possibilities of hitting on those picks if it's a top five pick. Are much higher than than drafting one in the second round, third round, what what
1: have you? Here's here's the answer to your question. Now, though is, is you not necessarily mock draft, but you put together packages as part of your your process leading up to the draft. Okay. okay. If I trade down, first of all, you're you're going to look at your board, and you got you got grades on the board. Okay. Let's say. Okay, I don't wanna, if I trade back, I don't want to be below this level grade. Mm-hmm. Because that's where I know you know there's like a drop off there that I don't want to be bothered with. You know, I, I, I know I'm getting a level less player. So I gotta get one of these players. Now, how many players are in that grouping? I you know, we don't have the answer to that yet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All the, you, see, you see all this stuff now, but it's it's to me, it's 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 foolish. I, I, I do laugh at it. I'm not making fun of the guys that do it, but it's all clickbait because you don't have in all the information. You don't have verified measurables. Mm-hmm. You don't have medical information. And in a lot of cases, you don't have all the character yet. And a team isn't going to make a decision until they have all the information. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know, all the draft analysts are making their, their mock drafts because, they get click after click after click indeed and, and but i i just on the record i would only do one mock draft a year and that's because i had to I for, hate um, it.
0: for when you were doing pro football weekly work
1: that and and with uh national football Post. okay i just do one i don't you know it's like i i, I don't want to be involved in this that's not real football I was involved doing the real thing, and the real thing isn't doing mock drafts. But yeah. to go back to what I was saying, so you 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 look at packages. So okay, I'm at two. So let's say your you're line in the sand is seven. So the farthest you'll go back is seven. So here's what I'm gonna get if number seven or number six wants to move up to number two. This is what I got. I can get this player at number six or number seven. I anticipate I can get a guy from this group in here with that extra pick. So what am I better off with taking, let's just say, Will Anderson here or these two guys? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what's my what's better for the Chicago Bears?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It makes a lot okay. of sense. And, and
1: that's that's what we did Every single day, Jerry and I would go, we would have all these packages written on the board. You know, okay, if we trade out, we're gonna have this. And we'd have these names, first round, second round, third round, fourth round, and and, and we wouldn't go further than the fourth round, but you know, guys you'd want to get. And if you trade out, you're gonna get X amount of picks. So this game, now it's this, 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 and this, you know, you got an extra picks and say, okay, are we better with this grouping? Or
0: that group. Hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, I want to end with this last question because it's it's something that I've been thinking about, particularly after again reading Brad Big's uh, column, uh, the 10, uh, 10 thoughts about the game. Yeah. He he talked about all of the needs this team has. I mean, there's plentiful. There's you look at offense, defense, even special teams. There's there are needs. Uh, and so, Brad talked about if you don't trade that that first round pick and acquire more draft capital, it could take another year going to twenty twenty four to to complete. I know a rebuild is never complete and I apologize I apologize, Brad. I'm just paraphrasing your words. Uh so the question is can the Bears get to where they want to in one season or will it take a second draft and free agency to get where we all want them to get? My guess is it's gonna take two years, twenty 20- 2024
1: 24 is when well, we should expect it. Let, let's look at this realistically. With a little luck and, and throughout yesterday, we know going into, you know, up until yesterday that the couple plays difference, a couple penalty calls, a couple of that team very well could have had a winning record. Am I right or wrong?
0: Correct. Right.
1: Okay. So – but team's basically the same it's a it's a mediocre team at best right now okay there's just not enough talent the to me they've got so much money more than double number two Mm -hmm. that they're going to have an opportunity to get a lot better in a lot areas but are they going to do it with three splash signings or eight that they think are really good players that are going to help the team? And, but it's not going to be that, that home run signing in the media. It's a great question. So can you do it? We have seen in this league, over and over again, go from the outhouse to the penthouse in one year. Hmm. Freaking Chicago yep. Bears did it in 2018.
0: Right. Look at the Rams now.
1: So, yeah, to me, the Rams are a great example of why you want to hold on to picks. They, 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 the Rams have screwed themselves. Yeah, they, they got a Super Bowl win out of it. But they got no future. They got no money and no picks. You know that fuck them picks attitude? Yeah, well, <laughs> they were like, oh, well, I wish I could get some. Where can I get some?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to have to leave it the-
1: I don't know if I agree with Big Z on that. I think the answer remains to be seen. And, and see what happens in free agency, see what happens in the draft. You know, everybody expected Ryan Poles to trade down in the second round. He waited until day three to do his trade. Mm-hmm. And he picked up a bunch of picks doing that. Mm-hmm. And he got some pretty decent players. He's got some guys that, that are, you know, contributing and, 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 and helping the team. So yeah. – could he do the same thing? Yeah, he could. Or could he you know, trade out a, a... To me, if there's a, a, a player that you think that you have graded as a potential you know, Pro Bowl type player, unless you're getting a ransom for that, you can't say no.
0: By the way, there's a debate in the chat room. I need you to weigh in on this. Uh, Sacks versus pressures you talked about greg blosh uh earlier he he was much more focused on trying to create pressures and that is because pressures create turnovers you're pressuring the quarterback he's going to throw inaccurately and you're going to turn the ball over um uh, Newman johnson who's been using caps all throughout the entire show i don't know why but he says pressures are nothing but a failed sack nothing more or less is Newman right
1: uh you know what i it's funny because lovey was the exact opposite. Give me a sack every day of the week. okay a quarter a great quarterback at, at, at Aaron Rodgers before he started taking psychedelics could um, you know complete great passes and, and did you watch the Notre Dame USC game at you all know, Saturday night.
0: I saw portions of it. It was too distressing for me.
1: (laughs) I mean, that quarterback was like a magician. There was a couple times they had him dead about 10, 12 yards behind the line of scrimmage. And he was like, you know, pulling Justin Fields and got his way out of it and and completed passes or ran. Mm -hmm. And so there's a case of pressures doing absolutely nothing where a sack is, okay, it's first and 10. Now it's second and sixteen. Well, I'd rather have second and 16. Sure. I it's you. the same thing as with, like, with, with the dropped interception. Dropped interceptions always come back to haunt you 90% of the time. Yeah. And- they still have the ball when you drop the interception. Right.
0: Listen, I'd love to get all of them. I'd love to get hits, hurries, sacks, uh Calling the quarterback names, all of that—I want all that. Whatever was going to disrupt the other offenses uh, team, but I do think that once if you get a consistent pass rush and you're pressuring the quarterback a lot, uh, that's that's valuable too because it d- can lead to turnovers. And I, you know, it, it and we,
1: can, but it doesn't always. And and so, and there are cases you can come up and you can put together a reel of. Where pressures led to an interception, you could probably find twenty interceptions on that reel, and and then, you know, and win your argument. But then, you could also put together a reel of sacks and see what the what uh, happened at the end of that drive. Did they punt?
0: Yeah, I hear you. And and with today's defensive schemes, where you know if you get into a third down and long, uh, you you need a lot of luck to pick up that first down because everybody is sending seven guys back by the line of scrimmage, the, uh, the uh, Vic Fangio style defense. Anyway, we will leave it there. We've got a lot more to cover as the weeks and months go on. Uh, we're gonna utilize Greg's. Uh, insider knowledge and his ability to break down tape, to talk about draft prospects. And we won't totally ignore what's going on in the football field in the weeks ahead. We've got a big game against the green Bay Packers. Greg, uh, are you hoping to see Justin Fields play Sunday or would you rather they mothball him at least for a week?
1: I think, you know, knowing the competitor that he is, that if he feels he can play, he's going to do everything to play. Now, you know there was there was stuff going on during the week that the decision came from above. Bullshit. Okay, it, and 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 you know flu alleviated to it. I think I don't know if it was yesterday or today. You know, hey, it was a combination of Ryan, me, the medical staff, and Justin Fields. And they're going to do it if if you think the player can get hurt worse than he's already hurt mm-hmm. then you don't plan okay now you can play with the shoulder separation the problem is pain not really going to get any worse but there is a lot of pain that you got to deal with and so you know that 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 is the problem and, and you know even though it's not his throwing arm it's the it's the Shoulder that's going to take the brunt of the hits is people coming at you, you know, when you're when you're uh, making trying to make throws. So I think they're going to play the same game he did last week. He's going to be limited Wednesday and Thursday. If he's full on any of those days, he's playing. If he's limited, I'd say he's not playing.
0: Well, I'd love to see him play against Green Bay, and then I wouldn't mind uh, if they mothballed him the rest of the season afterwards. Um, I don't think
1: Rodgers is going to play. To tell you the truth,
0: yeah, it's looking bad for him. Uh, I don't think he wants to play. He says he does, but then again, you can't believe anything the man Uh, says. His actions,
1: his actions, his mannerisms, his facial expressions say he doesn't want any part of playing. Um, (laughs)
0: Exactly.
1: No, really, and. He, like he took himself out last night, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he had the oblique. On top of that, he's got a. I read something last week, and I don't know. I, I meant to look up what an avulsion fracture is. I don't know what that is in your thumb, um, but it, it it has to be bothering his throwing, how the the ball comes out of his hand, being that it is his thumb. But I had read a thing where if they lost. To Philadelphia, they were shutting him down the rest of the year. Now, whether that was somebody's hypothetical or that's fact, you know, I'm sure we'll find out before the week's out.
0: Well, I gotta believe that uh the folks at Green Bay who run that team really want to see Jordan Love out there to see if he is the successor to Aaron Rodgers. And he didn't look too bad yesterday. Although when you're playing late in the game there and you're behind, you're gonna face some soft defenses. Well, what do you think about Jordan Love and the little bit of action he he had yesterday?
1: Yeah, I, in all honesty, I, I watched, I saw the touchdown pass to Watson, which was a crossing route, which was more Watson than Jordan Love. I mean, it was a nice pass, but the coverage was poor and and Watson had the, the speed to turn it up and get the long touchdown out of it. I did not. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't watch anymore after that.
0: Mm. Can't blame you. Um, all right, that is our show you for know,
1: today. All the shows to watch on Sunday. So you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, hey, what you you do
1: you think? Have you watched Tulsa King yet?
0: No, I have not.
1: On on Paramount Plus.
0: No, I don't have Paramount Plus. That's why. So I got to figure out how to. Get that
1: thing. Pay for
0: it. I pay for like so many damn streaming channels. It's
1: it's really
0: good. Star Sylvester
1: Sylvester Stallone, and I'm not a Stallone fan. Yeah. And my wife hates him, and she goes, "I'm not going to watch this." I go, "Let's just." And my buddy told me it's really good, Mm -hmm. so I said, "Watch one episode." She loves it. Wow. Loves it.
0: And I, and I know you love uh, Yellowstone too, and that's what Cole. It's Komet written about the
1: same guy. It's all put oh, together. Really,
0: I didn't know that. Yeah. So, uh, and Cole Komet recommended to Darnell Mooney that he should watch Yellowstone while oh, so. he's doing his rehab. <laughs> so <laughs> that was great. I thought of you immediately because you've recommended that show as well. All right. Well, one day we're going to do a uh, just a movie, TV show, Greg. We want to get your opinions on all the shows that you love and some of the ones you want us to stay away from. Okay.
1: <laughs> that sounds good.
0: All right, everybody. Uh, by the way,
1: I think we watched everything that was known to mankind in the last ten weeks. So
0: not, not nice to catch up on stuff, isn't it?
1: Well, that's all she could do. Now she's back to work. So, and you notice last week I was out in the kitchen. Now I'm back in my office. So. Uh, <laughs>
0: Are are you doing the cooking still?
1: Oh, I I always do the cooking. There you go. That that, that doesn't change.
0: Real men cook. That's what I say. (laughs) All right, everybody. Make sure you catch Bears Country Podcast tonight at 7 p.m. Central. And then we've got a full slate of shows the rest of the week. So best way to stay on top of stuff is to subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Barroom Network. Take care, everybody.
1: See you later.